The following content is from Snowbird Wilderness Outfitters, a gospel-driven high-adventure camp in western North Carolina. Go to swoutfitters.com to learn more about our camps and conferences. Enjoy the message. Welcome, everybody. Um, I'm glad that y'all are here, and there are so many people in here. Um, Before we get started, I have a quick announcement. Uh, The shooting range is also open. That didn't get announced this morning, so and that will still be open after this breakout, so if anyone's interested in going to the shooting range as a rec option this afternoon, that is available. Um, My name is Sarah Conti, and um, my husband is on full-time staff here at Snowbird, and he's also a pastor of the church that we're a part of. And um, I served here on summer staff when I was in college and then moved here, and my husband and I met working here, and we have been here ever since. So, um, all right, so I'm going to pray and then we'll get started with our session. Father God, thank you um, for the truth of your word. God, and thank you uh, for all these ladies that you have brought here this weekend. God, I pray that, um, that by your spirit, uh, you would change our hearts in accordance with the truth of your word. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Okay, so... We are talking today about pursuing joy in a season of depression. So to start with, I just wanted to read out some verses that we hear in Scripture. Um, In Job 30, uh, verses 26 through 28, it says, Job says, But when I hoped for good, evil came. And when I waited for light, darkness came. My inward parts are in turmoil and never still. Days of affliction come to meet me. I go about darkened, but not by the sun. I stand up in the assembly and cry for help. Um, And in Psalm 6, 6 and 7, David says, I'm weary with my moaning. Every night I flood my bed with tears. I drench my couch with my weeping. My eye wastes away because of my grief. It grows weak because of all my foes. Also in scripture, we hear the prophet Elijah say, it's enough now, Lord, take away my life, for I'm no better than my father's. The prophet Jeremiah says, cursed be the day that I was born. Job loathed his life. Hannah is so undone in her weeping and inaudible prayers that the priest assumes she's drunk. So, um, We see throughout scripture these examples of people just in raw sorrow and grief and low, low places. And even even Jesus, we see before he goes to the cross, just suffering deep anguish, like to the point that he sweats drops of blood. And so what can we glean from this? Um, We can gather from this that depression is not only a common struggle to man, but is also a common affliction to believers. So Christians can get depressed, right? We see people that were following and seeking the Lord being laid low in their spirits and, and just deep into despair. And so being depressed, struggling with depression is not an indictment of a lack of faith. And it's not only 
and not even usually an indication of sin. So we need to remove like false guilt from ourselves and from brothers and sisters that we see struggling um, that find themselves in a season of depression. Now, depression is such a broad and complex issue that if everybody in this room shared their experience, either personally or someone you know with depression, everybody would describe it differently, different causes, different manifestations, and so it's a really difficult topic to tackle in a short breakout session. But um, one thing, like without trying to dive into all that, one thing that we can all affirm is that we weren't created in a way where our spirit and our body are like separate entities, right? When we listen to the greatest commandment that the Lord gave us, he says what? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. Now, these aspects, they don't have like clear concrete borders, like this is my heart, this is my mind, this is my body, and they all work independently, right? God created us in a way where all those things are interconnected, and we know this, right? Like in our culture, we've developed a word called hangry, right? Y'all know that word. Why? Because when you get physically hungry, you're prone to irritability. So your physical affects your emotional, right? We know this is true. We've dealt with things like PMS, where your hormones affect your emotions, or with postpartum, like baby blues. Like there, our bodies are connected with our minds and our emotions. And so sometimes depression may begin in one vein, a hormone imbalance, grief, physical trauma, heartbreak, exhaustion, um, or wrong thinking or unrepentant sin. But it can begin in one of these veins, but by the time it spirals into what we would term as depression, it's spread into all those areas. And so then your thoughts are overwhelmingly negative and oftentimes not aligned with truth, and you feel profound sadness and hopelessness, you're crying without reason, or you physically, your physical strength, like you feel fatigued, unmotivated, maybe a loss of appetite, um, and then your soul is embattled with despair and doubt, so it seeps into all those areas. But we find in Romans a promise right? One that I'm sure is so familiar to, to most of us in here. In Romans 8, 28, it says, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And that in all things includes depression in the life of the believer. Um, James Dobson says, nothing is wasted in God's economy. So even a season of low, the lowest of lows, it's not in vain for the believer. Um, so today in our time, we don't, like I said, we can't break down all the things surrounding this, all the causes, all the cures, and I am gonna provide y'all with a list of resources at the end. Um, but today, our focus specifically is going to be 
how to pursue joy in the midst of that season. So how can we find joy when our spirits are so low? And the first thing I want to define is the idea of what we're talking about when we say joy, biblically joy, because it's different than just happiness, right? Like happiness when circumstances are good, you are just happy and it's based on circumstance. But, um, and sometimes I think we think, well joy, that's just like you're trusting. You're saying, yes, I know God is good. I know, you know, even though I don't feel that way. But joy is a feeling. It's just not based on your circumstance. It's based on Jesus. So uh, John Piper defines it this way. Joy is a good feeling in the soul produced by the Holy Spirit as he causes us to see the beauty of Christ in the word and in the world. So that's what our pursuit is. That's what we're after, even in the midst of depression, that we, by the power of the Holy Spirit, can see the beauty of Christ in his word and in the world and feel uh, good in our soul about that, about our Savior. So, practically, I just want to offer 10 ways that someone can pursue joy in a season of depression. So number one is assess your lifestyle. We just established that mind and body and all of this is all interconnected, so it's important that we don't neglect the physical side of this, right? How are you eating? Like, are you fueling your body with good nutrition? Are you getting enough sleep every night? If you have been a mother of babies, you know how sleeplessness affects your emotions, right? So it's important that we sleep, and it's better if we sleep from uh, 11 p.m. to 7 than staying up till 3 and then sleeping until 11, right? Try to sleep when it's dark, be awake when it's light. And then um, exercise. You know, God designed us literally where when we exert ourselves, our body releases feel-good hormones. So exercise is an easy way to, um, to pursue joy in this time. Getting outside in nature, getting plenty of sunshine, uh, limiting your social media intake or just media intake in general even if you're not on social media if like be aware of what you're consuming and how it affects you so if you read every tragic headline and click and scroll and click and scroll and click and scroll like that can bring a heavy weight of despair if that's all you're putting in so just be aware and see if it, if it helps to set a limit. You know, erase Facebook off your phone so you only can go on on the computer or set a limit of like, I'm only gonna look at the news twice a week or whatever, but just see if fasting from those things brings a change in how you're feeling. So number two is seeking help from a doctor and a counselor. We don't have to walk through this alone. Um, I think sometimes in the church we feel undue shame or guilt and think like if I was really a good Christian, if my faith was strong enough, I shouldn't feel like this, I shouldn't struggle with this, I'm embarrassed to tell anybody, and that's, that's false guilt, um, and we have a means of grace in both doctors and counselors. So medication 
uh, can be a means of grace that God can use to help lift that cloud enough that you can put some of these other things into practice. And um, even just seeing a medical doctor, because there is a lot of things that mimic depression, like a vitamin D deficiency literally has the exact same symptoms as depression. If you have low thyroid hormones, literally depression symptoms. So it's worth going to a doctor, not just for antidepressant, but to say like, let me have a full physical and see if anything else physical, because we live in fallen bodies, and see if anything physical is contributing to your struggle. And then biblical counselors can really help us identify, and biblical counselors or even like pastoral counsel can help identify like root causes of what, what triggered and started off this downward spiral and how do we get out. So please, um, if you are struggling or if you know somebody that's struggling, uh, seek help or encourage them to seek help outside themselves. All right, number three, rest. And I on purpose put this separate from sleep. Um, We are in a go, go, go culture and that's not the pattern that our God gave us, right? He said six days thou shalt labor and the seventh day thou shalt rest, but we want to go, 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 go. And that exhaustion is... um, we're, we're limited, finite, created creatures, and we can't do everything all the time. So slow down, put down the checklist, you know, say no to something and say, no, I'm not doing anything on that day. Enjoy coffee with a friend. Go take a walk outside. You know, it doesn't mean you just have to lay down, but, but some type of just slowing of the pace to... Um, relax and dwell on things that are right and good and beautiful like Philippians 4 8 tells us to set our minds on these things so um, we need to smile we need to laugh and see the beauty of Christ like we talked about in that definition both in his word and in his world and if we're too busy doing 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 we're like Martha that misses the portion of Mary just um, did I get that backwards no, okay, I couldn't, um, of just sitting at the feet of our Savior. All right, number four is practicing spiritual disciplines. So we were made for communion with God and communion with others. And when we neglect those things, we're really vulnerable to discouragement and despair. Like, it makes sense that we're called to rejoice in the Lord always, but to rejoice in the Lord, we have to see the Lord and we have to know the Lord and spend time with him. So Bible study, prayer, meditation, church membership, and not just, not just going to church, but having like meaningful fellowship with other believers are important means of grace to, to connect us to God and others where we'll be fulfilled in those things. Um, I did wanna have a side note here. Like you all know that when you're sick, right? Like if you've had the stomach bug, which has been rampant this spring, it seems like, that um, like the next morning when you get up, your appetite is not for like a steak dinner, right? Like when you're sick, your appetite is affected. And so you're like, maybe some applesauce. I think I can handle some applesauce. And that's spiritual too. Like when we are in a place of sickness, like your appetite may not be there to dive into a deep Bible study, to have this hour-long prayer session, to, you know, teach kids church or whatever, but, like, 
that's okay, but you start to, like, you still need nutrition and nutrients, right, as you heal, and so maybe you can't bring yourself to, like, dive deep into the word, but you can read a passage and listen to a sermon about it. You can let other people speak the truth of God's word into your life until you're healthy enough to take that on in your own right. Um, All right, now, number five is confessing sin to God and others. I put this further down the list on purpose because I do not want to I don't ever want us to jump to the conclusion that someone's depression must be an indication of their own sin, that they've done something wrong and that's why they're depressed. Uh, However, if a believer is clinging to unrepentant sin, then they are going to be miserable in it. And so it's like believers clinging to unrepentant sin is like hanging on to this anvil and wondering why you're drowning. You know, it's like you got to let go of that thing. And so there is a place for examining that um, and just checking if that has anything to do with it. And not only as the root cause, like go back to our hangry example, right? Being hungry makes you feel irritable. Is it a sin to be hungry? No, it's not. Is it even a sin to feel irritable? No, but now what if I lash out at someone in that irritability? Well, now I've crossed a line into sin. So even though the root wasn't sin, I may be tempted to respond sinfully. And I think the same is true in our struggles with depression, that the depression itself may not be rooted in sin, but there's places where we may be tempted to respond sinfully to it. So confession to God and others is still a healthy practice for us to look at. And 1 John 1, 9 tells us, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. All right, now, our thoughts, like untrue thoughts will poison our emotions. And sometimes, our emotions might poison our thoughts. And either way, whichever started first, what scripture tells us to do is to take every thought captive, to put the truth to it, doesn't measure up. And the best way that we're able to expose these lies is to flood our minds with truth, right? If we flood our minds with truth, then those lies stand out as counterfeit. And there's, you know, there's so many lies that we're tempted to buy into. Identity lies, like I am my body, or I am my career, my position, or my performance, or I am my past. You know, those are all lies, value lies, like I'm unlovable. If they knew me, they couldn't love me. We might believe lies about God. God doesn't care about my suffering. He's abandoned me. He's not really with me in this. I've outsinned his grace. Um, We might buy into all or nothing thinking like, well, I messed this up, so I'm a failure at everything, and I am the worst. Um, Then, you know, there's just, there's so many different lies, but the easiest way to combat all of them is to know the truth, so that whichever one is like, you know, the fiery dart coming at you, then you have this shield of truth protecting your mind. Um, so we need to 
pray that by the power of the Holy Spirit, God would uh, transform us, that we would be transformed by the renewing of our mind as we behold the truth and the beauty of Christ in God's word, right? And the Holy Spirit can actually change our mindset to think God's words after him and to be transformed. All right, number seven, do the next thing. This was the most practical advice. Um, Really for me, it was not in a season of depression, but in a season of anxiety. And to hear someone just say to me, do the next thing. Like you gotta break out of this prison right here and just do the next thing. Like if you, you need to put your feet on the floor and get out of bed and go to work and do the laundry and you know, like whatever it is, go grocery shopping, just go forward. Don't be paralyzed in a prison of your depression or your anxiety or whatever. Um, And those things are like God's grace to us to break us. You know, like you can get so trapped in here that when you have to do something, it's not negotiable, then it's it's, uh, a way to discipline our mind. And then also like we talked about knowing the truth of God's word, like walk forward in obedience even if your feelings aren't on board yet. Like, you know what God has commanded, do that thing. Even if you don't feel your heart is in it. And that's hard for us because we battle with like, well, I don't wanna be a hypocrite. I don't wanna just coldly go through the motions. But sometimes that obedience is the means of grace that God uses to restore joy. Listen to um, these verses in John. If you keep my commandments, If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. So Jesus cares about our joy, right? He cares about our joy. He wants us to have joy in him. Okay, number eight is serve others, all right? Um, Self-absorption feeds depression, and depression tempts us to shift more and more towards being self-absorbed. So even if it begins somewhere else, one of the strongholds that depression can take is this downward spiral where you're increasingly introspective, right? More and more, Uh, you're going deeper and deeper and narrower and narrower so that your world shrinks down more and more about like where my thoughts are consumed with my feelings, my grief, my sorrow, my despair, my depression, my circumstance, my situation, my hardship. And it's like more and more inward about me. And when my gaze turns inward and my thoughts are consumed with dissecting my failures or thinking about what other people think of me, then we also don't feel like being around other people. So you withdraw and you pull back from friends and family and just further isolate, um, just further isolate yourself. And, and we can't effectively love God well, love others well, when we're only thinking about ourselves. So the antidote is like to look up and look out from yourself right? So many people find that if they start doing something to serve other people, they find so much relief temporarily. Why? 
because they've stopped thinking about themselves. Like in that moment, they've got lost into caring and tending to somebody else, and they've stopped the record player in their head. And so like we can see that we were created to thrive and to flourish and pouring ourselves out for others like Jesus poured himself out for us. And sometimes when you're low, 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 you feel like, but I have nothing to give, either physically or like spiritually, like who am I gonna offer counsel to? Like look at the mess that I'm in. But in this, we don't have to be overflowing with joy right now. But even in that point, you can mow somebody's lawn. You can drop a note to a missionary and ask them how things are going. You can bring somebody a meal. You can donate items to a foster care closet. Like you can do things to shift your gaze outward and think about other people's situations and other people's needs, even if you don't feel like you're in a super spiritually strong place yourself. Um, It's really, it is really amazing the joy that can be restored through being a vessel of God's love for other people. And I think, you know, a practical way to think about this is that if you're like, all right, I need to do the next thing. And everybody that I meet today, I'm just going to have the mindset, like that I cross paths with, I'm going to have the mindset, how can I help you? How can I help you? Even if it's like, I'm going to hold the door for this person. But just shifting your mindset to serve other people. Okay, number nine is to remember Jesus. To remember Jesus, and I think I wrote that differently on here. (laughs) Remember who God is and what he's done. Um, In Psalm 42 is one of, I love the Psalm, Psalm 42 and 43, and there's so many lovely Psalms of lament in the Bible that help us just see this pattern of dealing with despair but in Psalm 42 is like the, why are you downcast, O my soul? Why are you at turmoil within me? And we see this conversation that the psalmist is having with himself. And, um, but in part of it, he says, my soul is downcast. Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan and Hermon from Mount Mizar. So it's this calling to mind of like, I'm downcast, I'm low, but on purpose, I'm gonna recall what I know to be true about who God is. I'm gonna recall his faithfulness in the scriptures in my life, right? Uh, John Piper says, it's utterly crucial that in our darkness, we affirm the wise, strong hand of God to hold us, even when we have no strength to hold him. And so, when you remember how he's kept every promise, how he's steadied your feet and your heart and your mind to think and believe and trust that he's still working, like he is faithful to us, he's faithful. This might mean like literally sitting down and writing a list of like every way in your life that you've seen the hand of God work in your life. Every good thing he's given to you, every mercy he's shown you, you know, and and prove to yourself like God is faithful and he is good. And he's the same today, even in my darkness, as he was in this season before. And he's going to be the same tomorrow. And he's going to be there with me through the valley and out the other side. Um, So we can see that in our own lives. We can see it in the lives of other believers. Okay, it's so encouraging. So going back to fellowship, like ask other people what God's doing in their life. Sometimes we're trying to fix what's going on with us. Like just 
tell me what you're learning. Like, what's, what's God been teaching you? What are you studying? You know, tell me your testimony. How did the Lord save you? And you hear his faithfulness in other people's life, and it, like, boosts your confidence in the Lord. You can read biographies. Um, Charles Spurgeon was like this giant of the faith preacher, prince of preachers, and he struggled immensely with depression. You can read his writings on it and see how God used him through his depression, not just in spite of it. Um, Okay, number 10, our last one. This is ask for joy. Okay, this seems so simple, but... Let's say that you're doing all these things, numbers one through nine, and you still just feel like, I I still just have no joy. Like, I'm going through the motions, but my heart is cold. I just, I got nothing. Like, you can confess that to the Lord. You can be like, God, I'm trying my best to obey what you're asking me to do. I know I'm supposed to rejoice in you. I don't have that joy right now. Please, like we can pray like David, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. You know, like restore it to me. I want to experience your joy again. Uh, Augustine said, Father, command what you will and grant what you command. Like we are asked to rejoice in the Lord always. We cannot do that in our own strength. So we're saying, yeah, God, uh, your command is good. Now, by your Holy Spirit, give me the power to do what you command. Um, so the bottom line here, this is obviously not an exhaustive list. This isn't a prescription of how to fix your emotions. Uh, and, and we all, I think every believer goes through a season short or long, of discouragement or despair in varying intensities. And sometimes the cure, the fix is simple, and sometimes that season is long and intense and unrelenting. And you're trying to do everything you can and the darkness still doesn't dissipate. And that's not a failure, okay? If you're fighting, then you're not failing, okay? It's okay if the feelings don't fix. It's okay if you struggle. What we don't want to do as believers is to give in and to lay down and to quit fighting and to let the depression reign. So if you're fighting, you're not failing. And my hope is that we can find ways to like dig deep and mine for joy and hope even when the cloud still looms. That even through those clouds of darkness, we see glimpses of the beauty of Christ in his word and in the world, and that we can speak to our souls like Psalm 42 from the bottom of the pit and say to ourselves, hope in God, I will again praise him. That we trust that even right now, I don't feel like this, but I will again stand and praise the Lord and joy. I'm confident of that because I know he's gonna carry us through. And we can rest in the promise that we have a good and loving father that is working all things, including a season of depression, together for our good and for his glory. Thanks for listening. We hope this has encouraged you in your walk with Christ. Be sure to give us a rating and review. And for more Snowbird content, check out our other podcast, No Sanity Required.